All right, everybody, welcome back to the showcase. I'm your host, Paris Jackson. On today's episode, we are tuning in with the first round of the playoffs, giving you some predictions. I know we're a couple of games in, but that's okay. We can still give you some predictions on where exactly this one is headed and then preview the second round after that. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the showcase. up where we left off I left you all at the playing games as we headed into it the Nets took care of the Cavs you know in a little bit of a nail biter but really they were ahead the whole time and then you know the Hornets fell to the Hawks rather handedly before the Hawks were able to upset the Cavs in Cleveland to secure the eighth spot so we had the Nets and the Hawks advancing who are probably the two best out of the four teams over there and many people probably had that predicted over on the western conference you had the pelicans beating out the spurs again handedly in a game that wasn't close before the clippers just completely collapsed against the minnesota timberwolves and then again collapsed against the pelicans so that the timberwolves and the pelicans would advance i don't think many people had both those teams in the west in the same fashion as they did in the east but, you know, the playing game was a lot less exciting than we have seen in years previous. And, you know, the teams that deserve to move on obviously did. Putting on my conspiracy hat for just a second here with you on the Clippers, I found it very peculiar that the morning of the last playing game that Paul George had been diagnosed with COVID or entered the health and safety protocols for COVID on the precipice of a fairly large game when COVID had seemed to disappear from the diaspora of the NBA. I found that very peculiar. I found it even more peculiar that the night before or two nights before the news came out that Kawhi Leonard was going to be shut down for the playoffs regardless. So I'm part of me wants to think that the Clippers were just in a position to understand that they didn't have it this year with Kawhi sitting out. And Inso just said, hey, we'll roll the dice with no Paul George, give him the night off, see what this Clippers team can do. If they get us into the playoffs, great. PG will miraculously exit the health and safety protocols. And if he doesn't, then he'll go ahead and, you know, just start his offseason early if the Clippers don't win tonight. And that's kind of how it went. And the Clippers, of course, collapsed against the Pelicans. And, you know, that's just something that I don't, think that a team or an organization would do but you know in the era of load management that you know was fostered really by Kawhi Leonard and the, and the organizations that choose to have him on his team and understand what that means it's not that far from the truth that that could have happened though only the Clippers front office really knows and Paul George if that was the case Otherwise, my fellow conspirators, we are in cahoots together about whether that was actually the case or if that was just something of my imagination, which either way, I'm sticking to that story for the rest of the offseason until I see Paul George and Kawhi Leonard back in their respective uniforms for their team, if this is their team in the offseason. Um, you know, for them and the Spurs, I think the expectations were low all season anyway. You know, the Clippers with all their injuries 
and the Spurs just lacking the overall superstar talent despite being coached by one of the greats in, in Coach Pop. Over in the Eastern Conference, you had the Cavs, who were a pleasant surprise all season, but nobody expected them to go far, especially as they came to the end of the season with the injuries that they had. And then for the Hornets, you know, with no Gordon Hayward, they're, they're just really never a challenge uh, for any of the other teams that they had to beat out. Um, so that takes care of the playing game. You know, I, I stayed away from betting them, honestly, just because, you know, the spreads didn't really line up with anywhere that I wanted to place my money personally. And, and that dovetails into kind of the lack of me putting out plays for the last couple of weeks. For those of you that noticed, I haven't really put out any plays since the last week of the season. And I alluded to this in my last episode because the last week of the season, you know, teams are either not trying at all because they're out of the playoffs and the season no longer matters to them. Or they're trying to duck and dodge depending upon seeding to have a particular opponent in the offseason or try to get in the play-in game uh, or out of it, depending on what side you're on. So I stayed away. I also stayed away from these first couple of playoff games. I wasn't sure what the feel was for a couple of them. Um, And there was some, honestly, that I misread. But today I'm ready to come on and and just say, you know, where I think the rest of these series are going. I know some of them have already had two games in a handful of the series. Most of the series have had two games. And then we have two games where the the second game is being played uh, this evening. You know, we're getting pretty close to tip off here. It's at the end of the day on Wednesday. So, you know, to quickly go through each and all of them, I don't have too many picks to give out. I'll have two throughout the course of this for a, a series play. You know, my my bookie has taken down the conference champion bets i was hoping to do some of those today but since they're taken down there's no reason to i could potentially check one other one other place just to see what the odds are and give you my my pick on it but i think i'll stick to the the couple of picks that i already had pre-arranged for today's episode and just go through each of the series and and kind of tell you where i think they're going to be headed and i think it would be proper to start with uh the games that we just experienced last night so Last night we had Miami taking on Atlanta in Game 2 and winning yet again rather handedly uh, from a Jimmy Butler ungodly performance. He had 45 points, just was getting it from the three points, getting it from dunks, getting it from you know his classic bobbing and weaving, looking for a foul, leading to a layup type style of play. Um, and then just really coming alive on the defensive end. I don't think Atlanta really had any answers for this Heat team throughout the course of the game. I mean, they had Bogdanovich, who I think he had like 16 or 18 points in the fourth quarter alone, and he was kind of keeping them alive uh, down at the stretch, and it kind of yo-yoed. But at no point in either of these games could you say that Atlanta really was in a position to come away with a win in Miami. And now as they head back to Atlanta, they're in a really tough position um, to go ahead and try to stay alive in this series. And that's credit to Miami Heat. I know a couple of the players have come out. You know, Tyler Hero's come out. I believe Bam Adebayo has come out and said, like, hey, you know, we don't get enough credit. You know, um, after the scuffle, the sideline scuffle in that Warriors game a few weeks ago, you know, that's when they said, oh, you know, now everybody started paying attention to the Heat. 
And then Tyler Hero, the same thing, said, you know, keep them talking about the other teams. We're just doing what we do over here. You know, that attitude is nice uh, in a sense, but, you know, the focus is starting to shift on them. And the Heat have been here for a few years, right? Like, let's remember the bubble championship for the Lakers was against this Heat team, right? But then they turned around and got swept by the Bucks last year with a team that was fairly similar, uh, but they've added, you know, some some pretty good pieces too since. So, you know, with that kind of up and down that they've had over the past couple of years, it's hard to for anyone to really put this team in perspective and say, yeah, you got swept in the first round by the eventual East uh, champion, and this year you're on your way to win a championship. But against this Hawks team, they look good. I think the matchups just make sense. They're able to throw a bunch of defenses at a team that, according to their own coach, really just has one option on every offensive play. And if you're able to shut that down, then, you know, there's not much that they can do after that except for jack up these crazy shots or rely on somebody like Boban Bogdanovich to come through for you. And that's just not what you really, really want to depend on uh, in the long run. So with that being said, I'm looking at the odds here for the series and Miami sweep and a Miami gentleman sweep, meaning like a five, you know, um, game win where they just go ahead and win, you know, in five games, maybe Atlanta gets one. You're looking at plus 150, plus 175, uh, which isn't great. I mean, you're basically essentially making, you know, your money back plus a little more, whether they win in four or five games. You could take that if you want. I think it's a safe bet. I do think Atlanta gets at least one, one win here, whether it's, you know, the first game, game three in um, – in Atlanta or it's game four before they come home, they should be able to muster up one win. Um, with that being said, I mean, Miami's record on the road was 24 and 17. So that helps back kind of what I'm saying here, given that most of their wins, they were really dominant on the home, on the home front this year. And a lot of their losses did come on the road. Um, and I'm looking to see, including going, you know, one and one in Atlanta and essentially a back-to-back where they played in January. So with that being said, you know, we could see Atlanta go ahead and at least win one game, but I very much think that this series is ending in five. Um, you know, and I have a ticket on the Heat to win the championship at plus 830 that I gave out, you know, a few months ago when I thought that this team could be one that would be a tough out. And I think they have a little bit of an easy road, at least to the the conference finals, depending on who makes it there. But I, I would imagine that they're in the easier side of the bracket a little bit. It looks like they're going to go ahead and take care of Atlanta. And then they move on to play the winner of Philly and Toronto, who Toronto looks like they're completely outmatched. And then, of course, they lose their rookie of the year candidate, Scotty Barnes, and look even more outmatched. Now, there was talk switching gears here to, Philly and Toronto there was talk before the series even started about you know Canada their vaccine mandate policies players on Philly that are unable to play in Toronto and how that is going to affect 
the overall ability for Philly to come out of this. And some people even took flyers on Toronto to win the series, which I think is just absurd based on the talent on the team. Yes, the Toronto has a certain pedigree. Yes, they have played them close in some instances first through these first two games. And missing some key pieces on Philly would only hurt their case. Nevertheless, Philly will come out of this series. Philly will probably sweep, if we're being honest. Because I think there's one other piece of this that could come into play. And it depends upon when this news is released. But I imagine, based on the rhetoric in the media... I don't think Embiid is going to win the MVP this year. And as much as it is annoying, but true, it is in a circumstance that Jokic is probably going to win the MVP despite a likely sweep or gentleman sweep in the first round by the Warriors. Embiid is going to have that fire to play this year. James Harden has that fire. I've talked to this at the trade deadline when I spoke about, you know, James Harden really need to get it to gear this year because this is his last real chance because he pushed his way out of the other teams he was on. Those two are highly motivated to play. You have the emergence of Tyrese Maxey in these first two games as somebody that you can count on. Um, and you still have some other key pieces. Danny Green usually comes alive in the playoffs and, you know, Doc Rivers, as bad as he is from a coaching record standpoint, he does have 100 playoff wins and a championship, so he knows something about the experience, right? Philly's been burned the last few years, specifically Joel Embiid, and they really, really are motivated to play. So Philly versus Miami, unfortunately, I think the defensive prowess of Miami is going to be too much for Philly once once that eventual matchup does happen, but they do have the star power uh, to go ahead. Right now, you can get a Philly championship ticket at plus 11.75, which is really really good odds. Meaning, you know, you bet 100 bucks, you win over a thousand. 11 to one odds, 11.75 to one odds. But nevertheless, I think the matchup with Philly is is what they're going to take into consideration here. So. Philly to sweep or gentlemen sweep, you know, has similar odds as Miami. I, Toronto, I don't even think they're going to win. I think Philly is going to go ahead and sweep Toronto and be like, yeah, talk about us a lot of the season, not getting MVP, yada, yada, yada. And then when they run into Miami in the next round is really where the medal is going to be tested here. Uh, for both teams, for Miami as well. I think Miami will have a fair set of challenges playing Philly as well, no doubt about it. Um, but the Bam and Bead matchup is one to be watched. I think, you know, the, the point guard play of Kyle Lowry will really come into to play here. Jimmy Butler is going to have to be an absolute dog, and they're going to need all their guys to beat Philly, just like Philly is going to need all their guys to beat Miami. And while this first round, at least this portion of the bracket seems to be the most drab and cut and dry. That second round is really what we're looking forward to here. And I can see it going six or seven games and I'm willing to bet on it. Uh, come that time as we get a little bit closer here, uh, continuing on in the East Milwaukee and Chicago will be the next team I'll bring up here, but I'm gonna take a quick break.
All right. The Bucks are the reigning champs, and they have played like it against Chicago in two rather low-scoring affairs, but nevertheless, or actually just one, right? They've only played one. They're going to play again tonight. Uh, but I predict another low-scoring affair. Um, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. I thought they had already played two games. It feels like they should have already played two games, honestly. But the scheduling this year has been a little bit weird. I feel like the playing games had a kind of a nice pace every other day, and then they took a day off, and then you know they played Friday. But these playoff games are scheduled weird. There's oftentimes two days of rest in between. And I don't know if that is for spacing reasons. Maybe they're trying to give some respect to, you know, the end of hockey season, hockey playoffs, baseball season starting up. Um, but the timing has been odd, right? Like usually it would be play a game, day off, play a game, maybe two days off, and then play a game, day off, play a game. But the cadence this year seems to be play a game, two days off, play a game, two days off, three days off, you know, sometimes like specific, the one that seems to be the most weird, at least to me, is the Warriors. They played on Saturday and then they played on Monday. They play again on Thursday and then they play on Sunday, which is a lot of spacing for not that much travel. And the Bucks are the same way. They played on Sunday. Now they're playing on Wednesday. I believe they play again on Friday, but that it doesn't make sense either because there's a day of travel and they get less days. So the spacing on this first round is, is very strange for, you know, where it is. Maybe they're giving more space and time to particular teams to try and get them into those primetime slots. And this, you know, Milwaukee, Chicago, and this is no disrespect to Chicago, but they're exactly who they who they been the entire season which was a regular season team that beat up upon lesser teams but failed to do anything against the better teams so the Bucks taking out Chicago I imagine probably five games maybe six if Zach Levine DeMar DeRozan and and uh and Vucevic can go ahead and steal one you know they don't have a ton of injuries they, it will be defensive battles in this round I highly recommend betting the unders in these games, even though you have a lot of firepower on both sides, I just think that they're not very three-friendly, and both teams are, are kind of grinded-out style play. Bucks will go ahead and move on and face the winner of Boston and Brooklyn. Uh, but nevertheless, the spacing is just super, super weird in this one. Um, obviously, they have Game 2 tonight uh, between the Bucks and Chicago, and then as well as Boston and Brooklyn. But, uh, you know, I think that this series is one that you can scratch off. And it speaks to kind of like a bigger theme in this first round of the playoffs where, you know, for the, I feel like for the first time in a long time, I'm not necessarily excited about how these teams are all matching up. Like I think, you know, Miami having to play the Hawks is a nightmare for the Hawks as far as, you know, the Hawks are good against teams that want to get up and run and score a lot of points, and Miami is not that at all. For Philly, you know, playing Toronto, Toronto doesn't really have a superstar squad. They're more so the slow it down, grind it out type team, but Philly with James Harden and Joel Embiid can just run the floor, get in transition, and then, of course, they have the big dominant guy that likes to get to the line, two guys that like to get to the line, and you can really do that a lot in transition, pushing the fast break. It's just not a good matchup. You know, Milwaukee and Chicago, 
I just think Chicago is a, a phony, <laughs> phony team going up against, you know, the reigning champion. And obviously that means that, you know, this will likely be over fairly quickly. Um, you know, maybe Chicago can steal a game or two on the on when they have their home court. Um, but Giannis obviously means business trying to become a back to back champion, just like he was a back to back MVP all a couple of years ago. And the only one that really excites me here in this Eastern Conference is Boston and Brooklyn. Um, and that's because they just have the star power and obviously the media attention being Boston and Brooklyn, KD, Kyrie, Jason Tatum, you know, uh, freaking Jalen Brown, everybody else. I'm impressed. I was really impressed with that caliber of game on Sunday. I mean, that's had to be one of the best games I've seen in this calendar year, let alone um, you know, trying to be unbiased, and we'll talk about the Warriors here in a minute. But Boston against Brooklyn, this is the only series where the odds kind of, you know, are close, right? Like, I think Boston is a minus 250 favorite right now, just straight up to win the series, <clears throat> which makes sense given that they do have a one-game lead, right? It's kind of easier to win three uh, than it is to win four. Duh. It's just math. Um and uh, so, you know, Boston and Brooklyn, that's going to be a good good series to watch. I'm not going to bet anything on it. If anything, I might take the Nets to win the series just because I do have the Celtics championship ticket. So that would be a nice hedge in the event the Nets do pull it together. You know, Katie and Kyrie, the offensive firepower there is just absolutely fantastic. Um, and I expect them, you know, to win a few games. I've, out of all the series, this is probably at least the one in the Eastern Conference that will go seven. Um, and it'll be great. Each and every game will be great. You might get two in the middle that are going to be blowouts either way. Um, I expect probably the first game in Brooklyn uh, is going to be some sort of, of blowout one way or the other. And then likely game five uh, will be a blowout if I had to just predict. But, you know, that's just me pulling it out of hats. But just based on what I've seen so far and, and – thinking you know teams that are getting get in trouble and feel like their back is up against the wall i mean we could see this go 3-1 you know before one team wins a couple of games to force a game seven so um being boston would likely be up i doubt brooklyn would win three in a row and boston would win two back after that but <clears throat> man that that series is the one to circle the calendar on and i'm excited it's tipping off here very shortly so um you know, we'll, we'll get that one in. Uh, switching over to the Western Conference, you know, there is a couple of series that I thought were pretty much cut and dry and other ones where I thought it was going to be a little bit more competitive. And I'm going to go ahead and say I was completely wrong. The Western Conference is why I wanted to wait before making an episode or putting anything out there. And uh, I think the only thing I had accurate was Memphis and Minnesota. I thought the two were a pretty good matchup for each other. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the youth, the firepower, the two stars, John Morant, Anthony Edwards kind of going at it. I think the future of the NBA is really, really in good hands, uh, with these two and they're the battle of the small markets. The fans are going crazy. Um, you know, they have their game three on Thursday and that's one to watch. The biggest shame I think about it is that that game, those games, you have the two seed, and it's not a nationally televised game. 
for Memphis. Like, that doesn't make any sense, at least to me. Like, you know, why is it that it takes all the way to game three before they get nationally televised? And maybe that's because they thought, you know, we're going to go ahead and, you know, put the two number one seeds for sure on national TV. And then, of course, you need Boston, Brooklyn on national TV. But, like, Philly and Toronto being on national TV versus Memphis and Minnesota is strictly because Philly and Embiid in the draw. But, like, I'd rather see Memphis and Minnesota. That's, like, that 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 matchup that you want to see. And I'm glad tomorrow's game is going to be on TNT so that a lot of people can get in on the fun. And, of course, game two was a blowout for the Grizzlies over over Minnesota. But, nevertheless, man, I, I like the star matchup. I like the teams. I have the Grizz winning in six at plus 300. I think that's a righteous number, right? I think Minnesota can get one more game, um, you know, before this series is over. But the Grizz will go ahead and flip that switch and start to take care of business. Plus 300 uh, is the pick for the Grizz in that series so i would lock that in while you still can potentially before the the tip tomorrow um but that was the only one out of the three series where i i thought i you know had it nailed and it seems to be going the way uh that i had predicted now dallas and utah i figured utah would just go ahead and take care of dallas especially when luca went down on the last day of the season I was like, oh, no, Luka, Utah should totally go ahead and just take care of Dallas, who is without their superstar and is basically Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Davis Bertans, and they're balling on Utah. It just doesn't make sense. I had so much higher expectations for Utah during the regular season. As you remember, I bet on their over. Uh I had higher expectations for them in the playoffs, but they're doing the same thing they've done in the last few years in the playoffs, which is ultimately just collapse. You know, this Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and Jordan Clarkson, their merry band of bandits in Utah, um, can't even really take advantage of the fact that they have a, a raucous home crowd Um to win this i mean they will i mean that game three is definitely going to be played in uh in utah which is nice but still like yes they're on the road sure in these first two games but they came down to the wire in both where they should be molly this dallas team with no luca now you give him a chance to come back he may come back early you know despite the calf stream and utah you're in a position to have a first round exit and really be in some serious trouble um, as far as keeping everyone together and not basically turning into a lottery team by selling off your bigger assets and, and turning to a rebuild. Um, for Dallas, you kind of, I don't think you have a championship caliber team either. But, uh, you know, without Luka, I thought you were just losing five games, and that, that may still happen, um, you know, pending what Luca comes back but again same thing for you you guys are desperate for a first round win um which would be the first since you guys have had Luca even though you guys have made playoffs every single year which is impressive so um I thought I had that one pegged you know Utah just winning out pretty handedly but uh we'll see what happens in game three four or five uh over the next few days um Phoenix over New Orleans I think the Devin Booker injury last night 
I would be not worried at all. Don't worry about it. I think this Suns team is going to be good enough to go ahead and beat this Pelicans team who, despite going 500 for the last 63 games of the season, despite making a fairly big trade, despite missing their potential quote-unquote generational superstar in Zion Williams, you know, are being scrappy. I think this Suns team has enough caliber, has enough fight. I'm sticking with them. I still got my championship ticket on them. It's down to plus 250 now for those of you who have yet to jump on the on the train. If they do lose one more game to the Pelicans, you could see those numbers start to tick up a little bit, which would be a good opportunity to jump on and just compound you know assuming that you know let's say this game this goes to seven their road is very similar to Miami where you know they take care of this Pelicans team and move on to face Utah they're going to run Utah out of the gym Uh, they may run Dallas out of the gym they should have ran Pelicans out of the gym but they're dealing with you know some injuries and things like that Uh, but I would be very surprised to see Phoenix not in the western conference finals likely taking on my favorite team and the team i've been waiting to talk about this golden state warriors now i gotta share a little anecdote about game two of this golden state warriors game i was sitting in my living room wearing my white home jersey clay thompson you know replica swingman jersey and i was cackling cackling at this Warriors play versus Denver this small ball lineup that has you know Poole Wiggins Dre Clay Steph was just absolutely phenomenal to watch everybody was hitting everything Steph had 34 and 23 minutes Clay put in 21 Jordan Poole had 29 to be the top franchise player in his first two playoff games uh, right behind Wilt, and he was only four points behind Wilt and would have got it if it was a closer game and he had stayed in. I'm just saying this Warriors team gave me new life. And at a plus 780 ticket coming in to to the playoffs, it has fallen all the way to plus 300 because I think everybody's starting to feel it too you know Warriors had a ton of injuries this season they had you know their ups their downs Dre's out Clay's out the big three only played 11 minutes together but man we are back we are back in a big way you know I'm big enough I bet on the Warriors to go ahead and sweep the Denver Nuggets at plus 226 that's the other play I wanted to give you guys today because I think it will happen there's no way Denver steals a game in this series I think we just go into go in there and, and roll them and get ready for the winner of Memphis and Minnesota whoever that may be um, which will be a tough series you know the, the Warriors got a tough road on their way to the finals and the way I'm, I'm thinking it goes is you know we move on face Memphis who in a sense, has our number, right? Like, we haven't played well against them. You know, we have the overtime loss. Uh, we had a straight-up shellacking during the regular season. They also beat us in the play-in last year. Um, you know, nevertheless, man, if we can get through Denver fairly easy and come into that rested, well, the way that we're playing now, man, we're unstoppable. We're unstoppable. And then if we move on to face likely the Suns, who will have a lingering Devin Booker injury, the road to the finals is very, very clear. 
for Golden State. So plus 300 championship ticket, you can jump on it. That's no problem. Warriors to sweep Denver at plus 226, you can jump on it. That's no problem. I am riding this wave of the Warriors as far as it'll take me. Call me a homer, whatever. But we are back in a big way. And Saturday, I felt it on Monday. I felt it. And I kid you not, I was sitting in my living room just cackling at this play. Jordan Poole streaking down behind the back, bounces off the defender's knees, still ends up in Clay Thompson's hand for the dunk. I was just like, my God. You know, four-point play after four-point play. It was like Oprah giving out four-point plays. Steph can get one. Jordan Poole can get one. Wiggins can get one. Clay can get one. You know, I don't know if Wiggins got one. And that's the other crazy thing about this team is that there is no way to shut us down offensively, really. You just got to keep up with us because Steph, Clay, and Jordan Poole are going to, you know, take the attraction of the defense. But we still have Andrew Wiggins, who was an all-star this year. We still have Draymond Green, who, let's let's be honest, he's not a dead-eye shooter. But the way his basketball IQ works, he will find the dead-eye shooter that is open on the court. Because it's impossible to guard everyone at all times. And this team, this team has got me hot on life and ready to enter the finals on a hot streak. I'm calling it right now. Golden State Warriors taking on, who cares, in the finals, and we are winning it, right? Whether it be Boston, Milwaukee, Miami, Philly, any type of E, we're taking them on, and we're beating them. We are beating them. This Western Conference, you know, we can get through Memphis. That'll be the toughest ticket, but if we are able to get through them and the Suns are still dealing with what they're dealing with now and hobble their way into the Western Conference Finals because you know Chris Paul is due for an injury. We are going to be in the finals. If we get in the finals, we will win the finals. Book it. Call it. Call your bookie. Place the money. Hyped. 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 So I'm leaving you with that. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, you know, very, very soon we will see if I am full of hot air or if I am clairvoyant. But we will know soon enough. Make sure you like and subscribe at PJ Showcase on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, so that I can get my follows up and get some more of the good word out there. Uh, thank you again, as always, for listening. Enjoy the playoff basketball. I know it's on every single day and you're probably, you know, a little burnt out. Uh, but it is the most exciting basketball because everybody's trying really hard, especially as we enter the second round. So uh, until then, bye-bye.